I've been thinking about pubs. <laughs> I'm not eager to get myself to one. I've been teetotal for five years and in the last ten years can count the pubs I've been into on one hand. Yet from 1970 to 2008, life for me was a pub. The social symbol of all things British. Yuck. Of course, it wasn't always about getting wasted in a pub, but usually. If the pub is so iconic within our culture, then surely one's life would be a timeline dotted with pubs remembered. Good times in pubs remembered. The pubs I first went into within the village of Clare, Suffolk, where I was brought up. They were not memorable. I do remember being kicked out of one pub for putting Yoko Ono's Don't Worry on the jukebox. As a teenager in the village, it was just a case of suffering the old boys' mild and brown mixes, and that was just their odour. One old boy, Parker, I do remember. Once in the Swan, I was in the gents when... Parker passed me a plastic bag under the cubicle door. Parker stunk, but the bag was worse. Boy, put that boy the window. It's bull's arsehole. Bull's arsehole is my favourite cut of the meat. I put the meat by the window and via the back door got myself into the fresh air as if an Olympic athlete. But that's hardly a good time remembered, is it? Pubs in the Suffolk towns of Sudbury and Bury St Edmunds were pretty dire in the 1970s. I had bought myself some new Wrangler jeans for a first date. Buying the jeans was a big event, so I remember that. I took my date to what I thought to be a really swish pub in the centre of Bury St Edmunds, one that had a really nice saloon bar. I got the drinks and we were sitting there, smiling, when the landlord rushed in. No jeans in this bar. Drink your drink and get out. I don't remember the pub's name, but I do remember those jeans and the girl. I've seen lots of aggression and some bloody horrible fights in pubs. Horrible beer-fueled fights. I don't think I've ever met someone new in a pub. You know, like something happening afresh. Yet, it's always the thought that something exciting will happen in the pub. And rarely it happens. I've been in the world's smallest pub, the Nutshell, and I've been in Britain's biggest and best pub, the Royal Philharmonic in Liverpool. What an amazing pub that is. When I was there in 1971, on Sunday evenings, there was a queue of working men lined up in their caps at 7pm opening time. Pints of Guinness were dotted around the circular bar and each man knew exactly where his pint stood, where he stood. I remember the fill, of course, because it's such an imposing building, a beautiful building, Perhaps I can remember some more pubs. The Welcome. God's Waiting Room, some called it. The Glue Pot. You didn't go in there without a friend. The Goat. Yes, I went in there with a friend and an Irishman who used to be a monk. 
the fighting cocks. This was an open-plan jobby. Tickler's arms, you only went there for the landlord's verbals. The case is altered, it was never altered. The wild man, it wasn't the night we went. And the slug and bloody lettuce. <laughs> None of them has become a remarkable memory. Apart from music, nothing much happens in a pub. Oh, I won the brain of the black horse in Leicester once. And that was really down to my boffin partner. Still, I got a T-shirt and a bottle of wine. I remembered the name of the pub because it was printed on the T-shirt. Brain of the black horse. <sighs> Hang on, I do remember one magic moment in a pub. It was nearly Christmas. It was cold. It was freezing, it was frosty. A friend and I were having a warming drink in God's waiting room when an old boy and his dear old wife entered. <laughs> they wore colour-coordinated jumpers and scarves and antlers and they wore these chintzy neon-pulsing necklaces. <laughs> Everyone laughed in good humour because their neon bulbs were pulsing round and round their necks in unison, <laughs> in perfect synchronicity. Ah, oh, the dear old woman explained that there were two settings. You could have them pulsing around or just flashing. Oh. Ten minutes elapsed and the couple were shouting each other at the tops of their voices, the necklaces pulsed and flashed. They'd got out a sink and a huge row erupted. Ah, such memories. I don't think music pubs count in my off-the-wall survey of pubs. I mean, you remember bands. I enjoyed listening to the retro-punk band Stain and the Gutter Boys in the tiny sardine can of the front room of the Triangle Lowestoft and to the jazz piano at the Rising Sun in Sudbury. And it is the rising sun, long gone now, which is the one pub which sticks in my mind out of the hundreds of pubs I must have entered over the years. I'd gone there early, around 3pm, to meet up with friends. Few would be in the bar and we could chat to our heart's content in the corner. However, as I entered, a strange sight greeted me in the public bar. A youngish, seriously bearded man was stood in a large cardboard box. He was wearing baggy trousers which were done up with baling twine like he'd just stepped out of the fields. He stood very, very still. His friend, who also had a beard, held up a piece of card and written on the card in crayon was Sponsored. 24-hour ferret-down-the-trousers world-record attempt. He's got two ferrets down his trousers and he's just got three hours to go for the record, said his friend. This was 1979 and Margaret Thatcher had just become Prime Minister. Was this a sign, an omen of things to come? Get rid of real jobs and put a pair of ferrets down your trousers to pull in the punters. I was at the bar, paying for a beer when it happened. Crash! Bang! Wallop! The seriously bearded one had fallen to the floor in agony. 
They got me. Got me by the balls. Help me. Help me. Two or three of the locals rushed to his aid. The ferrets were put back in their cage and the seriously bearded one downed a couple of double scotches before limping out with the folded cardboard box and the ferrets. The congregation thinned out. I think there were just three of us in the bar. Our friends were late. Imperceptibly, a moaning sound filled the bar from the flat above. Sort of moaning, groaning sound which grew more tortured. My friends entered. They too heard the moaning. We sat in the corner seat, quite quietly. The moaning went on. And then a scream, a terrible scream. Then silence. I was about to tell my friends of the bollock-biting ferrets when an old priest or a vicar or such, all done out in dark, dark robes, walked from behind the bar holding a crucifix and his rosary beads, the landlord trailing after him. Yes, it's gone, entirely gone. The exorcism has been a success, said the priest. My daughter, will she be okay? questioned the landlord. The hysteria is out of her. And with that, the holy man was gone. Now there's a pub to remember. <laughs>